0: Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar, the mid-boss, and this is Lag Radio, your weekly dose of video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, do-it-yourself art endeavors, and so much more. This evening, I am super pumped to be bringing you one of the cult classic games. I feel like this is the perfect game to be playing for a show that's on KUCI. This is the cult classic Quirkiness that's just oh right yeah obviously mainstream yeah 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 Yeah. mainstream is not going to get this game right that sort of thing Uh, Earthbound we're talking Earthbound this evening Super Nintendo classic from the year nineteen ninety three also known as Mother Two in Japan Earthbound
1: was ninety five, but Mother Two I think Ah, okay I'm not sure how much how much delayed it is but yeah I I thought it was ninety five but it might be ninety four
0: we'll double check on those dates we'll get those right for you but regardless it is a trip. It is one hell of a trip and we're going to be covering it in full this evening. We're going to be talking about the development, which is a very, very special story. It's quite a bit to tell and discuss with regards to that. And we're also going to be going over, of course, the story. Now, special thing about tonight's episode compared to our previous episodes, tonight we're going to be splitting it into two parts. Yes, there is so much to cover in this game. I mean, it is an RPG. There's a lot in it. So it kind of makes sense. But we're going to be discussing only the first half of the story so that next week we can get to the remainder and uh, then work our way through kind of some of the gameplay elements and soundtrack. Speaking of soundtrack, though, of course, even though we're going to be splitting up the show into two parts, we are going to be playing a whole heaping helping of music from this soundtrack that is just so unique, so different, so ahead of its time.
1: It's done ah. by the guy, what's funny, I didn't even think about this, but it's done by the guy who did the music for uh, Metroid and Super Metroid. Is it really? Yeah, what's his name? Is it on here?
0: Uh, it is Akio Omori. Oh.
1: Well, the one either, of the names The other guy, whatever his name was. Shoot, I'll find it. I, I, it was uh, Tanaka, uh, Hi- Hiroki Tanaka, or something like that. I'll, I'll oh. find out his name. But he did the music for Metroid and Super Metroid. Huh. And what's funny, I didn't see that connection, but mother brain and mother. <laughs>
0: hey, you're right. But anyway,
1: yeah, Like I once I realized that, which I didn't know why it took so long, I was just like, oh, okay, I can hear some of the really environmental elements mm. in it but like this is definitely some of his best work. I mean no I know it's like a combination of two or three guys, but yeah, they're all really good. Mm,
0: for sure. We're going to be covering them all just in a moment. Before that though, 949-824-5824, 949 UCI kuci is the number to call us up if you want to say, "Hey, what's up?" if you want to talk about the game a little bit directly one-on-one when we're not talking about it on the air or probably most importantly, you want to call in and win our giveaway that we're gonna be doing later on in the show. So once I prompt you to in the second half of the program, I'm gonna say, Hey, time to call in. Call in 949-824-5824, and you will be able to win a super sweet patch of uh Starman, one of the enemies in the game. The Starman. It's a silver one and it and looks it's all the spiky, spiky. final Starman too, because he has oh, the yeah, spikes the spiky dude, yes. Yeah, he's super cool looking. You it's can put really it on sweet your sweet uh, patch. Yeah, yeah, you can put it on your backpacks, you can put it on your jackets, you can put it on uh, anything and everything, I guess, that you could sew or iron Mm -hmm. stuff onto. So, yeah, it's going to be up for grabs later on, so make sure you get that number ready, get your phone on charge, and that way you'll be able to call in. Speed (laughs) dial. Is that still a thing?
1: (laughs) Got to put, well, (laughs) I I think it is on Android phones, at least Android phones. You can just press and hold a number and it'll actually do speed dial. Oh, that's neat. The necessity is, because you can just type in a name, but whatever.
0: Android's got your back. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, be ready to call in. Until then, though, let's listen to this wonderful music. We're going to start off with chronological. We're going to start off with some title screen music and then some opening credits for you, followed by Your Name, Please. Yes, that's a good one. And we're going to listen to the noiseless version. But maybe we'll listen to the noise noisier version a little bit later on. Mm. We'll see. Hope you enjoy it. Again, thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. I'm joined in the studio by, by the way... Alex, my palette swapped. What's up? And we are LAG Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Alex, and we are LAG Radio discussing the one and only Earthbound, also known as Mother 2 in Japan. So... We're gonna be discussing the history and development of the game first off, and we're gonna begin with the father of mother. The father of the mother series himself, <laughs> Shigasato Itoi, a copywriter from Japan. He is the brains behind this franchise. There was this really cool comic that both Alex and I read that really kind of succinctly describes the whole story of this guy. It's such and, a
1: fascinating yeah. um history of what happened with the development of The initial Mother game, which we never got until, Mm -hmm. I think, two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And then Mother 2, which was Earthbound, our first foray into the Mother series.
0: Right. Yeah, there is a whole lot beforehand. So I do want to kind of touch on that because I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, This man, Shigesato Itoi, or uh, I'm just going to call him Itoi from from here on out. He was a copywriter, and he just kind of had this affinity towards video games ever since... I think when he was younger, maybe... I, I think he mentions the in this kind of interview-slash-comic-made about him that he had a, asthma issues. And he found that through playing video games that he was able to kind of get through this tough time where he couldn't even, like, get out of bed, it seemed like. He was just bedridden. Um, but he found that playing video games, specifically Mario from the, from the NES system, uh, yeah, really helped him through that. And... So he didn't come from a video game background whatsoever. Didn't know how to make them. Didn't know anything really probably about the industry. It was pretty early time, too, in the video game... The history of video games, I guess you could say. I mean, of course, Pong had come out long before then, and there's other systems, but... This was during the NES days. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty... pretty Before it hit the mainstream really, really hard. So, uh, he just wanted to make a game. And he didn't really dig the RPGs that were happening at that time so stuff like Dragon Quest stuff like Final Fantasy weren't really to his tastes he couldn't relate to it and that's the big
1: part about Mother is the player relating to the characters and he wanted to kind of create that
0: yeah, I mean, you can only have so many instances where you are a sword wielding hero off to save the world again with your various different adventures, and here's the archer and here's the mage. And, and
1: Well that's interesting because, you know, you can see these fantastical beasts and stuff you don't normally see in real life and you read in stories, you can't really relate that much.
0: Right. So he wanted to make a story that was about a relatable character going through some sort of extraordinary circumstance. It's a so...
1: normal person that just something happens to their world.
0: Yeah, and so his story originally, he he said he was going to open with some sort of paranormal activity thing that disrupts the uh, flow of life, the everyday flow of life, and then some average kid would end up facing off against a monster all by himself. And so he just kind of kept on putting down more and more ideas, and even though he was doing this, this is one of my favorite parts of this whole tale, he kind of didn't really do anything with the story. After he'd made it, he was just kind of waiting for this I don't know, this heaven-sent reply from some big shot he in figured, the industry.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like a <laughs> in the sky dream that a lot of us have when we're younger. It's like, well, someone will eventually find me and or hear of me or hear my story and then want to make it, as opposed to like, going out and like pursuing to try to find someone to develop this game.
0: Yeah, and that's just not reasonable to think that someone's just going to suddenly be like, hey, I heard you were writing a video game story and uh, I'd love to see it. No, it's not going to happen. You have to go out yourself and, and make that effort, so... Uh, he didn't really know exactly who even to talk to about his game thing. So he didn't really do anything about that. But somehow he ended up on TV.
1: And I don't know exactly the story behind that. Uh, maybe, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure. I mean, was, I don't know. I'm going to say he was just. Well, he was, I think he was pretty well known as a copywriter and, and a writer in mm, general. Okay. So he was on a variety show at one point. Um, and um, I guess he mentioned he had an idea, or not had an idea, but had a good opinion about video games. And. And a different perspective that Nintendo became interested in because the president of Nintendo at the time then approached him and kind of asked him um, or wanted him to, to come by and talk about like what he thinks the direction of video games should be or whatever. Kind of a new a new idea of how to, I guess, tell stories in video games.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I think that his passion got through the airwaves, you know, through the TV. And, and uh, that's what really showed what really got... The uh, president of Nintendo at the time interested was just his his story about how Mario had saved him and how he got him through such a tough time, and that's the sort of person that I think uh, is is the sort of that's going to make a decent video game. And I'm sure that the the president at the time kind of figured that too. So this was the chance. This was uh, this was Itoy's chance to finally share his idea with the team at Nintendo. And so what happens? But he meets a younger, much younger Shigeru Miyamoto, right? Just the creator of Everything, basically. Mario, Zelda. I don't know why he's not <laughs> the
1: president of Nintendo at this point, but yeah. Creator of <laughs> Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda. Yep. All these huge uh, names that you know. Yeah, if you don't mean... <laughs> know the name, then you probably shouldn't be listening to the show. <laughs>
0: How? Yeah, gatekeep right now. Let's gatekeep. Yeah. Uh, no, Miyamoto is just like a legend. He's an icon in the industry for making these lovable characters that Nintendo has been working off of for decades. And uh, yeah, so the Itoy got to to actually meet Miyamoto and share his story. And so he was expecting some sort of like, "Wow, I loved your story. This was amazing. I'm going to work on this game right away," and instead, Miyamoto was just like, uh. So you want to make this a game, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna think about this one. I'll let you know if uh, if we do anything about it, though. And just kind of walks away, no handshake or anything. And so, as a as a young Etoy, having just shared his his game, his baby, basically yeah. with with Miyamoto, his idol, probably, uh, that was just heartbreaking. That was such a crushing defeat for Etoy to deal He actually said with. that
1: he cried on the way back from his uh, on his on the train on the way back because right. how much in despair he was because of that reaction that he wasn't expecting
0: right i know i chuckle at that but it's it's just it's such a such a crazy really drama sh- story
1: it's very dramatic but it also shows his character like he's just he just wanted to to make his story like a reality and he was i don't know kind of not immature in a negative way just childlike i guess sure. Just childlike in a lot of his thinking and and was just like oh man now i don't know if this is gonna be a possibility if this is ever gonna happen
0: yeah and so now we have to we have to wait along with the toy for just a little bit. We're gonna listen to some music and wait to see what happens. uh, but yeah, he I mean, spoilers he, found he made a game <laughs> <laughs> a couple of them actually, yeah, just a couple. So <laughs> in the meantime though, let's listen to some music from this wonderful game. We're gonna listen to Buzz Buzz's prophecy next. And then uh, after that, it's going to be Otherworldly Foe, of course. All right, if you want to call in, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. Don't forget, we have a giveaway coming up in the next hour or so. You'll want to be ready for that one. If you want to check out our Facebook, you can do so. Facebook.com slash Lag Radio is where you want to go to. Hit the like button. Sometimes I put the giveaways up online instead of doing it live on air. I also do reminders. I'm trying to do posts every single day, either on the Facebook or on my personal Instagram. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be more active and engaged, folks. So you can check out the Instagram, too, at DJ double underscore Marmar. It's where you want to go to. Uh, yeah, so check me out, both of those places. If you want to check out the KUCI social medias, you're welcome to do so as well. Twitter is at FM. Instagram, the same exact one. Our Tumblr is blog.kuci.org, where you find a lot of concert reviews and other giveaways and such. Um, but most of the giveaways are going to be found on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com/kuci889. All right. Without further ado, let's get into that music from Earthbound, also known as Mother 2. Thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Mid-Boss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio discussing the one and only EarthBound. All right. We're continuing on with the story of the Mother series right now. We just last or rather, left off... the development story. The development, yes. The yeah. development story. Um, yeah, his not the story, story story. His story. It's <laughs> story. So, yeah, where we last left off, he was crying on the train back home because Miyamoto just crushed his dreams and uh, basically didn't even seem interested whatsoever in the story that he'd crafted for, we just assume, Just so you know, we're prior. still
1: talking about Mother, the original one. Yes. Well, we're going to jump to Mother 2, but yeah, this is the history of this, this incredible creator.
0: Yeah, I think it's really flavorful and, and fun to, to hear about. So months go by, weeks turn into months, and just eventually, somehow, out of the blue, Itoi luckily gets a call from the head of Nintendo's general affairs, himself, Imanishi Hiroshi, calls up and says hey we got your team let's do this <laughs> and so just out of the blue all right let's make the game you wanted to was make This like
1: what a year or so after or a month a few months after this, this so was, was just-
0: months after yeah wow. numerous months after and this was where nintendo decided to uh, found a company called ape APE, Ape Incorporated, and they wanted to do this because they were afraid that video games were going to get too formulaic. I think they were trying to make a company that would do something a little outside of the box.
1: Yeah, they wanted to make a team that focused more on storytelling rather than gameplay and just repetitiveness and that recycling of kind of um, different features of of the games that you normally play. But, yeah, this, it was it was a good choice.
0: Yes, yeah. Nintendo probably saw the success of, of Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. They didn't own those companies. They worked with them.
1: And jumping ahead a little bit, Ape eventually dissolved and became Creatures, mm-hmm. which uh, helped develop the uh, Pokemon series, Pokemon cards in Japan, and um, does a lot of... I think they still do all like the modeling of Pokemon, like the 3D models and stuff. So mm-hmm. that all came from... I guess in a way, Itoy. <laughs> not yeah. really, but like Nintendo's Nintendo's idea of creating ape.
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Satoshi Tajiri, the creator of Pokemon. Yeah, he worked uh, alongside Itoi, not on this project, but as part of like that same group and HAL Laboratories, which was also yeah. part of. Ape came uh, from HAL Laboratories too. You know? Yes. Yeah. Which definitely. Which was at the
1: time. I think the president was Satoru Iwata.
0: Yes, he. Right. That will be again jumping ahead because that's going to yeah, come yeah. into the story as well. But yes, yes. Iwata d- does come into this too. So there we go. Mother gets to be worked on. It was just this wonderful experience, from what I understand. It was difficult, of course, because Itoy himself had no background <laughs> whatsoever in making games. It was c-
1: games. completely chaotic com- compared to the normal type of development uh, process.
0: Right. Yeah. And he it, would,
1: he would uh, tell the the writer, or I guess the the person who wrote the put the dialogue into the game would tell him like lines that he wanted the characters to say, and if he got a good reaction out of it, then he knew that that was the line to do. If he didn't get a reaction out of it, then he would just go, okay, let's do it over again. So I imagine the entire dialogue in, I think, Mother and, I believe, Mother 2 was done that way. It's just... I don't know. That really gives it some character. Like, a lot of character that you just wouldn't see in, in other games at the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that it's one thing to try and make a game like it's what I wanted to do, which was make it relatable and made it, make it set in the present day. Of course, at this time, it's the early 90s. Uh, so... It, that's one thing to do it that way, but to make it something that now you know so many years later is still considered so funny, so just enjoyable, and it's it's a timeless classic. Really, it's it's kind of like Super it Metroid; is. it's it timeless.
1: No, I, I I hadn't ever played it past the um what what we're gonna get up to the story on uh, when we get to the story section to this week. Um, I I'd played it like three or so times, and then I always got <laughs> to that part and never finished it. Um, but finishing it finally and it's kind of like been my full playthrough for the first time this past month like it it still holds up. It's still such a good game Uh, just like Super Metroid like you said Uh, and again the commonality there is the composers Hey there's (laughs) that but
0: That's true. So we have Mother. Mother finally gets released in 1989 and it comes along with it this really neat kind of Childlike sense of wonderment, I think. It's just, it's supposed to evoke these feelings of being a kid and and coming across all these different really strange adventures. And you're using items that are not, you know, swords and shields and these legendary items, but instead you're using a skillet. You're using a cracked bat. You're using
1: just yo-yos.
0: Yo-yos and and gum. Yeah. (laughs) What the heck? It's not that kids
1: like go out when they're kids and and play, like act like they're weapons and just like, oh, I'm going to use this stick as a sword kind of thing. Yeah. it's actually a stick and not a sword.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And those are things that you could Puts do. Power with.
1: into those like everyday items that you normally see around.
0: Exactly. So it was it was this fun, really special thing. And uh, itoi, upon release, even though I don't think it was super well received, the first one in Japan, I don't think it was super well received. Uh, immediately, they wanted a sequel. I guess. Yeah, it was, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah maybe it's just hey you know what let's try it again let's see what else you can do but it was, it, a, it was yeah. a
1: thing like at the time 89 like it was the first of its kind really mm-hmm. with the whole dialogue and i think it's very similar to earthbound what we got to play in america mm-hmm. but and, and what i feel i haven't played it yet but and so it might be discounting it too much but i feel like mother one is kind of like earthbound 0.5 and earthbound is earthbound like it was it's very similar the characters names are different but it's very similar that it takes place in like a, a town and and you kind of go around you meet these similar kind of characters but they refined it with the super nintendo it seems like it's like the definitive version of mother
0: Mm, yeah that's a good point that with super nintendo though with the with the introduction of super nintendo into the mix this did create a lot of or super famicom yes there uh this created kind of a big difficulty in development however because the super nintendo was notorious for being very difficult to work with when it comes to programming and such so they uh, definitely had a lot of excitement built up, spe- specifically Etoy. He was very excited to, to do a sequel to it and uh, expand on the story. But this did create this kind of development hell sort of thing where Mother 2, which would eventually be known in America as Earthbound, was just kind of stuck for years, and they didn't know how to get out. And this is where we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to some more music, and then we're going to get back to how did Mother 2 finally get released. What was the, the savior in all of this from you the development? You may be surprised. Yes, you may be surprised. Alright, so if you want to call in 949 824 again, 949-U-C-I-K-U-C-I also on the web, facebook.com slash lag life radio and Instagram is at DJ double underscore marmar. We're going to listen to a few more songs off of this beautiful soundtrack by numerous composers, those being Akio Omori Uritsuo Kamimura Keiji suzuki and hirokazu tanaka last few songs we listened to sunrise and the onet theme before that one was otherworldly foe and then at the top of the set was buzz buzz's prophecy next up we're gonna listen to i'm not even gonna say what the name of this one is but you'll know if you played the game in the past week like oh, uh I yeah you know I see it,
1: but I have a feeling.
0: i'll give you a hint though say fuzzy pickles oh okay
1: no <laughs> i realized my mic was off this entire time <laughs> oh darn. but uh yeah yeah okay that wasn't what <laughs> i was expecting but
0: and then we'll listen to buy one. something will ya so enjoy the next couple of tracks we'll be back with the last little bit of how mother 2 finally came to be thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 fm in irvine again my name is marmar the mid-boss this is alex here and we are lag radio Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Mid-Boss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio. We are going over Earthbound this evening, a timeless tale from the Super Nintendo era, And we are just about done with the story of the development of Mother 2, also known as Earthbound.
1: It's very interesting, so it's taking up a whole good portion of the show. Yes,
0: yeah, but I'm glad that we were able to get through all this. So, um, before we get to the rest of the story, however, just real quickly, we listened to uh, all songs from the soundtrack of Earthbound. Most recently was Hospital. Before that one was Enjoy Your Stay. Before that one was Buy Something, Will Ya? And then at the start of it was What a Great Picture. All those songs, very, very important, and you hear numerous times throughout the game because they are stuff like the store theme or the hospital that you go to in every city pretty much and uh, the, what's it called, the hotel theme. I like that one a lot, Enjoy Your Stay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. hotel theme and uh, when you get your picture taken, which is just this random occurrence. We'll get into that <laughs> later on, maybe maybe next week's show as well, but it's just this really random occurrence where a guy kind of pops up and takes your picture. I yeah, it's it's mind-boggling and it's amazing. Anyways, so there's some
1: meaning to it, but you you have to play the whole game.
0: Uh, all right, I'll get to that. Yep, we'll I'm not coming. gonna say nothing. <laughs> all right, Til so till next week. Because we
1: do spoil. We are we are gonna spoil the game. So if you haven't beaten the game yet and you started it last week, uh, it's tough. It's tough to beat in like a week. So it's, it's a lot for me. It took 30 hours total to uh, to beat the game. But you want to take your time, kinda, and it's very enjoyable. It's very worth it. Hmm.
0: All right, so back to the story here. So we had Mother 2 in development hell. It was not able to go anywhere after a number of years that was being worked on. They just kind of couldn't figure out a way through some some of the development problems. So they needed someone to come in and change things up, and that person turned out to be the one and only Satoru Iwata. Of how laboratory, he was the one to come in and kind of give them a different viewpoint and how they should he be is progressing. He a gaming wizard.
1: A wizard. Like That's a great way. Yeah, I don't know. I want to learn more about this guy because he's he is just yeah. He has such good idea. Well, I don't know. You'll get into it, but so many good ideas with like the de- development and the programming and everything that and a fresh set of eyes that they didn't have for this this project.
0: Yeah, exactly. Iwata was able to come in. He was able to kind of talk to Itoy and the team directly, and he was able to say, all right, so if we kind of take what we've got so far that you've been working on for four years, it's going to take another two years probably to finish this game, which is wild because that's a very long development And time. by that
1: time, the Nintendo 64 would be out, I think. No? Yeah, it was pretty mm-hmm. close. 95? The uh, N64 came out in 96, right? I think it was later. I'm probably thinking, yeah. The I PlayStation right.
0: came out around 95, 96. Yeah. Either so way, it was taking a long
1: time, out. and they and they were just about to cancel the project, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it was in it was in rough waters. So uh, Iwata comes in and he says, "All right, it's going to take you another two years if you keep going the way that you have. However, if you don't mind, if we start from scratch, we can probably polish it up in about six months and have it out in the next year, which is wild. And that's quite the <laughs> it's quite weird the risk. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, just like, all right, let's start over, and I'll get you the game in the next year or so. So Etoy was like, "Well, I mean, it's the best chance we got at this point. May this well guy knows go. his
1: gaming stuff, and he doesn't. Etoy is very it, it, game, I guess, programmer uh, illiterate, not oh, gaming. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's the writer, so he's just gonna, yeah, he's not gonna be able to tell you much about about whether or not a game is gonna be going to be made in the next year very well or not. He'll be able to tell you what's cool in the story though, and so he takes a what as advice." And Iwata makes this internal tool to help the team visualize their progress, and it's Which just is so it's, crazy. It's yeah, this not is not just like helping with the, the game,
1: but just the the morale of everyone that's working there to help them continue working on this in the way that it would. It's just yeah, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. If you take care of your team, then you're going to get a product that's going to really really be beyond what you what you need. It's going to be just that much better. So he made this tool. That gives kind of this, well, it's described as giving shape to their work, allowing other staff members to see their progress. It allows them to see which parts of the game are finished and which aren't. And so that way you can kind of look and see which areas have been completed, which haven't. And you can be like, oh, I'm going to go and tackle this particular portion of the of the game
1: myself. Breaks up a lot of monumental tasks into easy to, to manage chunks which I think is the main problem for a lot of people in getting things done because they just see this huge overwhelming task and they just can't do it. But he was somehow able to break it down and see a progress where you would want to drive to continue working on it.
0: Right, exactly. And of course Iwata was there for some of the programming, the coding itself uh, himself as well. But the main thing I think was just changing the, the environment for the team and and making people really want to be there and work uh in a different way and and harder probably too so keeping everyone in high spirits a lot of the times they would spend the night inside of the uh, president of nintendo's uh, office so they referred to it as the president hotel (laughs) very fun stuff and so yeah eventually exactly just about one year after iwata joined the team mother 2 was released to much acclaim question mark i don't know yeah I mean, the first game was a cult classic, even in Japan. It it had fans.
1: It didn't I'm have sure a huge the Yeah, I'm not sure how the reception was in Japan for Mother 2. Um, would you want to get into what the Earthbound reception was? Yeah, go for it. Oh, I just meant... I was asking you. Oh, too. okay.
0: <laughs> well, I I don't think that it was hugely, hugely popular. They
1: tried. They they marketed it in a weird way. I don't know what made them think... I guess because like the whole premise of it is done... Uh, which we'll get into in the story portion of the game, uh, it was done in, like, e mind of what American life would be. Mm-hmm. So maybe they thought, oh, it's, you know, kind of relatable. It's a quirky RPG. Let's get it out here. They did a lot of work in the translating. There's so much dialogue in there. I'm just – I can't I, – for that time, <laughs> I can't believe, like, just that was actually finished.
0: Right. Definitely. It's. I think one of the advertisements for it was this game stinks. And there was some sort of like smell of. They really went thing. with the
1: whole '90s gross-out humor thing. Um, yeah. With, with marketing it, where it's just like, like there's slime that burps and and all this like gross stuff. Um. And I don't think it really did that well. <laughs> um. It also was just, and we'll get into this in the next uh, week, but uh, the difficulty for it was kind of, kind of, um, well, difficult. <laughs> the the. It included a player's guide because it was so hard to follow sometimes and you get lost a lot. So they included a really, like, and now it's just a huge collector's item because it's there's so much love put into it. Um, but they just kind of helped you through the game like Nintendo Power uh, Magazine would. And, uh, yeah, and it was just like, I, I don't know how much they charged for it, mm. but I don't know if it was more than a normal SNES game. But it was just in a big box probably did well for like you know standing out from other games true but it just a lot of people i mean i myself included i remember seeing it at um at main place when i was younger there was a record store there and i remember seeing it in the window of the record store Hmm. and i was like i was like oh i just noticed the game i remember it and then my friend had it i never played it then and it was just like i just know it was a thing but now it's and i can now after playing it After how many years now, over twenty years, it's like I can totally see like I really wish I could have gone back in time and done that. Sure. But I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much back then as I do now when I'm actually paying attention to the story. And like as a kid I wouldn't pay attention. Or it would just be way too I don't know. I don't know what I would have thought, but
0: Yeah, I think that there's a there's a number of, of games that I or movies or something that I've seen as a kid and now looking at it from a totally different perspective as an adult, you can kinda Sometimes you can appreciate it better. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I totally didn't see this really mature theme that was underneath what looks like to be some sort of kid movie or game. And then there's other times where you go, wow, this is actually really not that deep and pretty surface level. What was I thinking as a kid? I I think it would have been great to play (laughs) it as a
1: kid and then play it again as an adult and get all the stuff I didn't get as a kid. But it's just I do remember seeing it there. I just don't remember hearing much about it. I had one friend that had it. That's it. Right, but yeah, I don't. In America, it did not do that well, which is what made it, uh, part of I think what made it, very interesting for people to retroactively go back and play it, and then this huge fandom spawn from it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, the definition of a cult classic. This one for sure. So there we go. Mother two was released finally. Mother three was greenlit for uh to be worked on.
1: It actually had a trailer and stuff too.
0: And a demo. Yeah, 1999, I think there was a demo for the FN64 at uh, Space World, one of the kind of conventions in Japan. But no, then it was canceled. Yeah. It's kind of, it's it's a little bit of a running joke at this point in the industry for Mother being canceled, such that there was even this website, <laughs> I love this website, thehardtimes.net, they, uh, they did a fake article, kind of like The Onion, but for video games and stuff, and they reported the the Nintendo of America COO, you probably know him, Reggie Fiume, he announced that there is going to be development, promotion, and cancellation simultaneously of three new Mother titles, <laughs> and this was a great <laughs> article posted just last year. So, yeah, it's it's kind of just known that, that Mother has been in this development hell throughout its franchise. And, and yeah, we'll probably with, get into that less next
1: week if we have time. But, yeah, we can talk about the whole fandom that spawned from it, everyone trying to rally behind and get everything. I don't know. It'd make a lot of noise about it. But in terms of the development of Earthbound, uh, as opposed to Mother 2, um, you have the translator writer who's pretty responsible, I think, for localizing it pretty decently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know Japanese fully to the point where I could uh, make sense of the dialogue in J- in Japanese, but like I don't know, like the character it it definitely does have character, even it, even though it is translated and it isn't from Japan, it does replace J- Japanese jokes with American jokes.
0: Yeah, localization is something I think a lot of people overlook in the difficulty of and making sure that some of those puns and <clears throat> excuse me puns and some of those things actually come across somehow in the English language. It's not an easy thing to do. So, the fact that this uh, man Marcus Lindblom he was able to turn some of these really clever and witty things that were written into Earthbound or Mother Two and then translated for Earthbound's release, pretty impressive. And even now to this day, he kind of considers it his his finest accomplishment, his magnum opus. Yeah, and you can
1: really tell if you play the game. You talk to every single thing that you can talk to, or look at everything, every single thing you look in, look at. And like I said earlier, it's just—I don't know if I said this off-air or on-air, but like everything is has such rich uh, detail mm-hmm. that, like, you won't just—you won't really see the same dialogue twice. It's like mm-hmm. everyone has their own personality, which is really quite a feat to, to do for a game, for any game.
0: It's amazing. It, yeah, like you were saying, everything has its own dialogue. The The thing that sticks out to me, and again, I'm kind of getting ahead because of the story and all that, but there's a point in the game where you're in this desert, and in one corner of this desert, this tiny little pixel <laughs> is a black pixel. And if you talk to that one little black pixel, apparently it's a black sesame seed. Yeah. And it was just—it's been looking for its love. It's white sesame seed lover, and uh, they got—they got. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It has its own dialogue. So. It's so good. Yeah, just these little little tiny things. So, this uh, Marcus Lindblom—he worked for about four months on localizing this thing for release, and some months he didn't even have a single day off, he said.
1: I can believe that. Four months is very quick, I think, yeah, for a yeah. game this monumental.
0: With all this dialogue, yeah. He said he was working 15 to 16 hours per day, wow. so it's just you wake up, you write more, and you go to sleep. It's just constant sort of deal. So, it was a very very important to him, uh, very important project to him, and it was extremely distressful for him to have the release of Earthbound come out, and it just didn't have any fanfare no one really cared about it critics initially panned the game as being a little too cheery and they really just didn't understand what was the game i think yeah so now so many years later to have this giant fan base that just loves this quirky unique writing and soundtrack to this title that's so different from final fantasy or dragon quest or anything of its time it's pretty amazing uh, a lot of the Again, Marcus Lindblom, he said that he also put a lot of part of parts of himself and his life into the story. So, for example, when you're uh starting the game, you're able to change the names of the characters that you play as. So, Ness And you do this at the Paul beginning Jeff. of the
1: game too, which is interesting. You just yeah. see these characters and you're like, oh, "Okay, it's going to be kind of like Final Fantasy, you have four characters." But then you start as just your initial character is, you know, Ness, and then you end up gathering everyone later. So,
0: it's but, interesting. but there's also a selection when you're choosing his name. You can write out whatever you want, but there's a selection that says, I don't care or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you select that and it randomizes a name and it goes through a list of about five or so names, I think.
1: An interesting little note there in the Japanese release. Uh, I think the fourth, uh, the fourth don't care um, option on each of those is a member of, or someone in the Beatles. Oh, really? Because Itoi is a huge fan of the Beatles. So you have, I think <laughs> Nessa was like John, um, Paula had Yoko. Um, oh, Jeff, I think, was George, and I mm. think Pooh was uh, was Paul, and then the dog mm. was Ringo for some oh, reason. <laughs> Ringo,
0: Oh, no. Sad. I know. <laughs> In the uh, English release for Earthbound, though, at least one of the, the alternate names for both Ness and Paula were important people or names to uh, Marcus. So he actually had oh, cool. an alternate name for Paula was, uh, I believe it was Lane. No, no, no. It was the name of his wife, which I don't oh. think I was able to find out. But the alternate name for Ness was Lane, and that was the name of his future daughter. So even after the oh, release of this cool. game, he named the daughter after that, that particular name. It's pretty cool. So yeah, he put some really neat things in that game from just his own personal life. Uh, he even took, like, just as an example, of one of the puns that I think someone suggested to him, he named B.H. Pickle, which is the name of one of the mayors. Uh, I believe the mayor of Tucson?
1: that right sure it was
0: either Tucson or Threed but BH pickle hmm. was the mayor of the town and BH uh, stands for Baldhead. head oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't know that's he's a perfect perfect translator for that game because it yes. seems like he just gets the humor of it or maybe that's why it's it has that humor because it's of his translation
0: yeah either way it's it's stands as its own very special unique product And we love it. So we're going to be talking more about the game now for the story in the next coming hour. However, until then, we're going to listen to some more amazing music from the soundtrack. Again, the soundtrack is by a number of individuals. Akio Omori, Ritsuo Kamimura, Keiichi Suzuki, and Hirokazu
1: Tanaka. And those are four names, not one huge long name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good point. Yes, good point. And we're going to listen to their stuff from the Earthbound soundtrack. Next up. Very cool stuff. We're going to listen to the, some of the battle themes. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. Depending on what type of enemy that you're fighting against, there's a totally different battle theme. So, for example, the next song is Battle Against a Weird Opponent. That's actually the name of the song. Yep. And after that, it's going to be Battle Against a Mobile Opponent. So, don't forget later on, we have a giveaway. You're going to want to call in 949-824-5824, 949-U-C-I, K-U-C-I. You're going to be able to win a super cool...
1: Final Starman patch.
0: Final Starman spiky,
1: patch. The spiky star man.
0: Spiky Starman. He is silver and glorious and you're able to iron him on. If you want to check out anything. a picture
1: of it, you can go to uh, his Instagram. Uh, yes. DJ underscore underscore Mar Mar and uh, you can check a picture of that one. It's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. So it's worth uh, it's worth getting us on your speed dial for.
0: Yeah, for sure. Check out the Facebook as well. You can find a picture there if you'd rather. Facebook.com slash lag life radio. And with that, Let us get back into that soundtrack. Again, thank you so, so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are Lag Radio. My name is Marmar. We are joined by Alex. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio. We just got done listening to a handful of songs from the EarthBound soundtrack. Most recently, the wonderful Paula's theme, which I didn't know. There's some history behind it. Would you like to fill well, in?
1: Well, I guess the simplest way I'll say is it's actually a remix of uh, the song from Young Town, which is a town in, or at least the English release of the name, uh, in Mother One, which just got released as Earthbound Beginnings, I think two or three years ago yeah. on the Wii U console. But yeah, so it's like the exact same song, but just remixed in SNES sounds.
0: That's so neat. Yeah. I would totally do that. If I had a sequel of a game, I would remix some at least one track and be like, all right. Well they use my... they
1: use that uh, um, what's that? The Frankie theme, the one that you played in the last block. Oh, that okay. was originally also from Mother One as well. So Okay. Which is that kind of uh the the blues what is it?
0: That's yeah. kind of like a rock blues soundtrack yeah, sort rock of blues track. Kind yeah, yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So right before Apollo's theme was indeed Frankie. Before that one was battle against a mobile opponent, and before that one was battle against a weird opponent. Some really neat uh, battle themes. As I mentioned before the break, they are different depending on what sort of enemy you're fighting against. So really, really enjoyed that and how you kind of don't know which track is going to be playing when you you know, come across an encounter, so. All right, well, we've gone through the development of the game. So let's get into that story. We've got a lot to cover. (laughs) 30 hours worth
1: of story. No, not really.
0: Yeah, no. We're definitely going to run through it as best as we can. But let's get right into it. So first off, you start off the game as Ness. He is a silent protagonist, kind of like... Zelda from The Legend of Zelda right now. And these are the link, can- link canonical
1: the- names because you can name them whatever you want. But yes. if the first don't care option that you choose on each of those is what we're calling their names in this uh, story right, description.
0: Right, yeah. I definitely wanted to play my game. I was thinking, uh, do I want to name it Marmar uh, or something like similar? I wanted but... to play it
1: straight, like yeah. the character's names. It helps to discuss it, I think. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So, you start the game as Ness. He is this boy who lives in the town of Onet or Wanet.
1: I think the Japanese way it's pronounced Onet. Onets oh, yeah. Okay That's Some what Nets I was thinking too
0: I didn't realize this until This is a side yeah. thing But the names of the towns Tucson Threed Forside. Yeah
1: <sighs> So and good. it stops there. So- <laughs> Spoilers. But- oh, darn. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> we got up to four at least. Anyway, so yeah, he's a boy that lives in the town of Onet. He is just a normal kind of boy. He likes to, I guess, play with his yo-yo and with baseball bats, probably. Play with baseball. So, um, he's got those on his person. He wears a cap to the side because he's a cool dude. Uh, but he's a- asleep in the beginning of the game. And then he's awoken one night from a meteor that strikes a hilltop on the outskirts of town. And uh after that he's just like huh what's going on so they go and uh, i guess i think pokey his friend does he come to his house and knocks yeah, at the door yeah he
1: comes to ness's house i don't know at what point but he knocks on the door and is like hey i i uh or i don't know if that if that's later i think you, you go investigate and look and it's like oh there's a big meteor but then pokey's up there and just being like right like oh you're you're too young to uh you know just kind of being facetious but like like you should go to go should go to bed. We'll we'll take care of this kind of thing. <laughs> we adults even yeah. though he's so like he basically he goes back the and beach. then um he he uh gets woken up or something. I don't know. The, the knocking on the door and right. then he's, that's when Pokey's like, "Hey, my brother is missing or or his brother. one of them say like like one of the others is missing." And so they go up to investigate like again, the meteor when there's no police there and right. that's when they meet Buzz Buzz.
0: Yes, so Buzz Buzz is a special, special little thing. Special bee. A time traveling insect that came from the meteor who warns of a terrible threat by the name of Gigas. Gigas, right? Is that how you I, want to I pronounce it? I mean, that's
1: what I've, Gigas? that's what everyone else pronounces him, Gygus, But then, if you look at the Japanese pronunciation, it's Gigu. Oh. So I don't know. I, I would still just go with Gygus I'm going to go with Pretty Gigu. much what like sounds normal to me.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with that. So apparently there's this cosmic destroyer that Buzz Buzz warns you about. Yes, this time-traveling bug warns you about. That's going to wreck everything. So Ness is given the mission because apparently there is some sort of prophecy that foretells of a young boy who's going to stop this by collecting eight melodies from their sanctuaries that are around the world. And this boy will unite with the Earth and defend against the coming of Giygas.
1: Pretty pretty heavy to start off the story with pretty
0: heavy yeah pretty out there it's it's very like final fantasy to me all right you got to get to the crystals oh no now they're sanctuaries the same sort of concept yeah you got to. it's all put around. on
1: you like without having any knowledge of the game yep. but you eventually will pick up all this like as you play the game which is pretty cool
0: yep and so after you meet buzz buzz also he gets or it's buzz buzz gets like stomped on or something or crushed it's this hilarious sequence he goes back to pokies
1: and then his mom is just like "Ah, oh, there's a bug ah, and then yeah. just like hits it out of the air and he just like falls to the ground <laughs> This sad and time, time traveling bug, breath, yeah. he's just like i i need to tell you i forgot what he tells him, but <laughs> obviously it's not important if i can't remember i guess so just more about the story and like how he's like the savior of the earth and stuff
0: right so Ness, being the silent protagonist doesn't you know go against his his prophecy, he's like, Oh, all right, sounds good to me. I'll get on this get on this right away. So they uh, he, Ness, gets to try and find this first sanctuary. But from what he can tell, the sanctuary happens to be on the outside of town. However, it's blocked by a do not enter and a locked door. So there's a sign that says do not enter, there's a locked door. And so he has to try and find the way through that door. And the way that he finds it is from the mayor. But the mayor's not gonna give him this key unless he probably helps out because the mayor is just busy with like campaigning and stuff. He's just trying to make all these ads and, st- and whatnot. So he says, all right, I'm not going to pay attention to you at all. And so what do you do to get the mayor's attention? That's well,
1: probably BH pickle actually, now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. You're right. Uh, but yeah, BH pickle. Doesn't pay attention to you until you first deal with a gang at a local arcade known as the sharks, the sharks led by Frankie, who we heard the theme of just recently very ominous sort of leader, Frank.
1: Yes, I'd be I'd
0: be shaking, I'd be quaking <laughs> you, in my
1: boots. You encounter him, and he has two daggers in his hands. <laughs> it's <laughs> like okay, so he's gonna like brandish daggers in front of a kid.
0: This little kid. Oh, he has also got like a mobile suit of tank thing yeah. behind him too. Yeah. I think in this
1: playthrough, I. Beat him so quick, or I didn't even get to see the Frank Meister or whatever that that machine was. I'm like, what oh, the I heck? remember, th- I remember that thing. Why did I not encounter it? I guess I just killed him too quickly. <laughs> Jeez, did you grind a lot in the beginning? How did I you... don't remember. This I... was this is like in wow. June when I when I did the earlier part of the game, but I don't know.
0: Jeez, because when I first fought Frankie, he kind of just wrecked me, and then I came back to it. I probably and, did grind yeah. a bit. Uh, yeah, you probably did because that was tough. I think just like right <laughs> out the gates. I don't know. Either way, you're able to luckily overcome this much older and intimidating leader of a gang, and uh, then you go and talk to the mayor. And the mayor luckily gives you key to get through this do not enter gate door thing. It's kind of like a... I think it's blocked off by this abandoned shack uh-huh. looking thing. There's a bed with springs kind of sticking out of it like no one's been there for a long time. And you go through this cave because this is where the sanctuary is that the time traveling insect told you to go to. <laughs> Stick uh, with us Yeah, stick with us here You start being attacked by some enemies Now these aren't just your typical enemies You're not fighting against like slimes You're not fighting against uh, (laughs) I don't know, gang members this time Instead, no, there's rowdy mice There's attack slugs There's black antoids Which are just ants they're just ants. pretty much every
1: enemy in the game is an is an adjective and then uh, what it is an adjective noun which is, makes it I don't know the character of that is is super good.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Later on I we'll talk about it but the, also you do start to fight some uh, human sort of humanoid figures and they've got
1: Well, great the first names enemies too. you encounter are kind of like just dogs and crows. And right. it's like, "Well, why are you beating crows and stuff?" <laughs> but you'll later I don't know if you later learn I get, we'll get into that later a little later on but
0: right the spiteful crow and and that sort of thing yeah. yeah that's the the enemies that you're fighting against in the beginning so yeah so you're attacked by all these different just random uh fauna basically that are found in the cave and oh yeah an important note about this i don't know how this happened i don't know when this happened but apparently ness has psychic abilities Psychokinetic telekinesis sort of deal. They call them Psi Psi in Earthbound. I believe in Mother Two, they referred to him as PK.
1: Yeah, it's they in Mother Two or the Mother series, uh, Psy was just for like, like assist uh, powers and stuff, and PK was for attacks. PK standing for uh, psychokinesis. Right, right. But I don't know why they just just put it all under Psy. and I don't think I looked up online, and they just there was no explanation of why it was just blanket. Psy uh, instead of PK for attack. Still
0: so strange. I don't know. I the reason why I knew about this difference even before playing this game, or well, just before playing this game, was that uh, if you play Super Smash Brothers before, Ness's moves, yeah, yeah PK. Fire, that's why I had to look PK it up too. Flash. I'm like,
1: okay, yeah. So that's like all the attack moves are PK, but like they just, that's why it's lost in yeah. translation once S- Smash Brothers came out.
0: Yeah, baffling. I don't know. So you go through this uh, cave to try and reach the first sanctuary, and you slay what? else would be of course the first boss of this awesome game the titanic ant uh-huh. huge evil ant. this guy was tough to too yeah he was he was he was a beast and for only being nested this time it's a really challenging part yeah. actually all so the, all yeah. the
1: game up to until you encounter your second uh, party member is pretty tough just by yourself
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is uh, we'll get into this in the gameplay portion next week but that was one of my my biggest gripes of the game was some of these difficulty uh, spikes, especially mm-hmm. when you're just Ness, and you don't have anyone to rely on with... Uh, I mean, you can heal yourself, but you need to have some damage being dealt out at the same time, and yeah, just as Ness, very, very difficult. So, you slay the titanic ant, you collect some melody that plays uh, nearby on these steps. Uh, what was it the little giant steps, or a little... No, um, that's the second one. No, that was,
1: It was giant step. Giant step, yeah. Which is kind of an interesting concept. It's just one footprint. Yeah. So it's almost as if, like it was a giant that was stepping on earth as like a stepping stone and then yep. just went off and just these kind of like weird oddities in the world is where you get these melodies from
0: and probably also play off of the word step right so step as in two p's and an e that sort of step oh yeah right
1: i think it was spelled well i mean yeah it was just like
0: a regular step but it's a like it's on a hilltop that's true that's true. step so good pun i love it i love another
1: thing before we move on also is there's a there's a sign guy that's out at the very beginning of the game that you can go to his place and he'll show you his a secret thing that he found, which is uh, comes back. It's like foreshadowing to later in the game, but mm. he finds this, like, statue, this golden statue. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's just, under, he's like, I don't want, don't, don't tell anyone about this or it was just like, this is mine, so don't, you know. But you, it's kind of, yeah, you'll see it comes back later in the game. Oh, I'm excited. Also for you since you haven't gotten to yeah that part. Yeah,
0: I haven't part seen of, did you, it. You, okay, yeah. Nope, still Sorry. working on it, still working on it. So yes, you slay the titanic ant, you've gotten the first sanctuary and the soundstone has recorded it. You've got one down, seven more to go. <laughs> Plenty more to go. We're going to continue this story shortly. We're going to listen to some more music off of the soundtrack now that we've gotten kind of caught up. So we're going to listen to uh we're going to listen to Boy Meets Girl, which is one that actually was a little bit chronologically before Paul's theme. And then we're going to listen to Happy Happy is Blue, which is going to be part of the next bit that we're going to be talking about. So make sure you stick around. 949-824-5824 is the number to call. 949-UCI-KUCI. We're going to be doing a giveaway shortly, so stick around for that one. You're going to be calling in right when I tell you to, and you'll win the super sweet final Starman patch. It's great. It's silver. And you're going to be wanting to put it on. Huh?
1: He has spikes. Yes, definitely. Spike arm, uh, what is it? Shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. Oh, so cool. So, so 90s. cool.
0: So <laughs> 90s. All right. Call in when I tell you to, Nine four nine eight two four five eight two four. 824 Check us out on the web, facebook.com slash laglife radio, if you didn't already know. And also, Instagram is at DJ double underscore, not one, but two underscores, Marmar, M A R M A R. All right, with that, we'll see you in just a little bit. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. Joined by Alex, we are lag radio discussing the one and only EarthBound. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. We are joined in the studio by Mr. Alex of Paletti Squapped. Paletti. And uh, we are lag radio. So, we're talking about Earthbound. Most recently, we listened to Runaway 5, The Daily Show. Before that one was Happy Happy is Blue, and before that one was Boy Meets Girl. All right, we're going through the story where we last left off. Ness just slayed the Titanic ant. He reached the first sanctuary, collected the melody, and is ready to move on to the next step. Quite literally, Uh, So, What's interesting, I love this part. So the fact that there was that do not enter sign actually made a difference. You walk out of the cave and a cop greets you and is like, hey, did you not see the do not enter sign? Go meet me at the police station later on. And so you do. You go to the police station because if you want to try and get to the next town, the roadblock is in front of the road that leads to it. So you go to the police station because it's pretty much the only thing you can do at this point. And you talk to, I think his name was Captain... Was it Captain Strange or something? I don't know. It was something... Mm. Something like that. And he just gives you a talking to. Very, like, uh, such a authoritative figure. Shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And now he says, if you want to go to Tucson, well, I'm going to have to give you a test. And so he forces you to fight his police force. <laughs> what the heck? Are, what are the police doing? What They have nothing better to do than just fight a little kid? Like, come on. Come on, guys.
1: It's uh, it's good. And I don't know. We, we're... Because we have to get through the story, which is difficult. There's a lot of like just different little details in the game that's worth playing, even if you do hear us talk about it. Like uh, the fourth guy that you run into, he just is like, "Oh, I, I can't beat you," and then he just runs off. So <laughs> yeah. you don't even fight him. You end up winning <laughs> the last guy. Yep, exactly. Such good dialogue.
0: It is. It's great. Yeah, everything that we're talking about, it it doesn't do it justice because the delivery is just so. The execution is perfect with yeah. the dialogue. there's so much
1: stuff. detail that we're leaving out.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So, definitely play the game if you haven't already. You've still got time. We're going to be doing a part two next week. But yeah, so let's continue with the story. You beat them. You beat the five uh, police people because, well, one of them ditches and the captain takes <laughs> his place. And you get to go to Tucson. So, Tucson, Tucson. Is that like a playoff of Arizona? Like Tucson, Arizona? That's,
1: I, that's something that I, that someone, when someone said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it does sound like Tucson. Like, I never thought yeah. about it being like that, but maybe it. Maybe it is. I didn't look at the Japanese pronunciation. Not that that means anything, but...
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think it could be probably play on words. It's pretty cool. So it's known as Happy Happy Village at this point in the game. Uh, I love it because there's (laughs) these billboards all across every town. There's these billboards that kind of give you a little flavor and have just random sayings and stuff. And so one of the billboards for Tucson says, we got this name because we weren't first. (laughs) <laughs> Cause it's too no, D-W-O. of course, they weren't first Onet was first yep. So there you go There's, uh, But there's rumors around Actually, you even hear this in Onet, I think that There's rumors that there's a girl that has psychic powers Her name is Paula And once you reach Tucson, you find out that she has been kidnapped By evil cultists And so all across the town, you see some of these cultists They're like blue in the face instead of normal humans And they're kind of like just running around and stuff And uh, when you come across some of them one of them, for example, is a new age retro hippie.
1: Oh, those actually aren't the cultists. Oh, they're they're, oh, that's like, true. Yeah, like they're the different. Humanoids that are that are like blue and weird. I don't know when it's explained to you in the game, but they're all the people that have been like controlled by Gigas to like like the animals and all that stuff. Because you wouldn't normally attack animals, but they're like everyone's acting strange because of Gigas. He's kind of making bringing the evil out in people and animals and stuff, and so that's what they're you're fighting. But you go through a cave, which is kind of a pain. This is one of the most annoying areas in the first, earliest part mm-hmm. of the game, because you're just Ness and you have to go through uh, Peaceful Rest Village, which is, or not Peaceful Valley. Rest, Valley, which is just like a canyon and it's just winding and there's just these enemies that at the end of their, like once you once you kill them, they explode. And so they take away like all your HP. Oh, yeah. So it's oh. just a huge pain with just one character. But then after that, then you get to the town of uh, of, what is that town? It's just... Just happy, happy village, I guess. I mean, that's that's yeah. Tucson, so I'm not sure, but it's a different little village, and um, that's where all the cultists are. And you just see these these people are just like coming up to you, and it's like, hey, do you want to donate to? Oh yeah, to our, yeah, yeah. To, to our not our do they reference themselves as a cult? It's just like the the happy way or whatever. It's a
0: cause or something. Yeah, yeah. I think they're just trying to yeah raise money for their cause. They don't explicitly say that they're cult. I don't think they want to market themselves that way exactly.
1: Oh, yeah, but before this, I forgot I skipped too far ahead. You do have uh, you do have like a pencil eraser that's blocking your way. Yeah, it's great. Oh, no, the, there's pa- just The statue,
0: this statue of a pencil stuck in your way in the roadblock. But luckily there is a, an inventor, a couple of inventors actually. There's Orange Kid and there's Apple Kid, and you can invest money with both or neither of them. But if you do it with Apple Kid, he will call you up at one point. And he'll give you a pencil eraser because it erases any pencil-shaped object.
1: <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, and that's interesting. Like, they changed that um, from Japan. Japan's version was an octopus that blocked the way. Hmm. And that it's because it's like, I think it's a, a culture thing where they, like, if you're having a tr- tough time trying to get over, figure out a problem, it's like you have an octopus in your head. And so you have the octopus eraser to get rid of that, the block the physical barrier that's blocking you from there. What the but heck? But it's a pretty cool translation they did, like changing it to like just a f- stupid thing like that, where it's a pencil that's and you get a pencil eraser to erase the eraser. Also, we missed... Um, I don't know how... Oh, shoot. I don't know where it is in the game, but I know you have to meet Everdred, which is in the uh Oh, right. He's in
0: this part. Yeah. Everdred's in this part.
1: I'm trying to think of what his... his uh, what his meaning is at that point or why he's there
0: he's like he's on top of a building in the park he Berglund park paula, i think but he mentions paula he's i think maybe he's brainwashed at this point by gygas i think hmm. when he attacks you he just like jumps off of this building and is like Wak-ha! let's fight
1: yeah, i'm not sure um but,
0: but i think he what he says, his yeah. what his
1: purpose is I, I, I there's a reason because yeah is
0: he like a gang leader or something maybe
1: i just don't remember <laughs> this is so far long ago sure sure but anyway far. skipping ahead you end up getting to the to the uh
0: yes you meet uh paula basically you find her she's caged she's in a shack kind of in the middle of nowhere and she is behind lock and key so she's not able to be saved right away but she does give you a franklin badge which i love that because franklin the light yeah Light because it, franklin badge what it does is it reflects lightning and if you don't know the story of Benjamin Franklin and and lightning, then I suggest you do a Wikipedia yeah. search real quick, because or go back <laughs> to the history.
1: We, that's something we learned <laughs> in elementary school, but
0: yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's pretty young, pretty elementary. So yeah, Franklin badge uh, you're given by Paula to battle the leader of the cultists, whose name is Mr. Carpainter, and uh, you go into this
1: house and it's just sprites of all of these like guys in like purple or blue uh, hoods and right and paint buckets, and they want to paint everything blue. And it's just like yep. making, like they're obsessed with that and how that makes everything happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes everyone happy. I love the color blue. So you have to kind of weave your way through this maze of cultists. You have to speak to certain ones, and they shift out of your way, and then other ones are like they start fighting you. Yeah.
1: It's great. It's pretty cool, like kind of puzzle thing. But then you get to the end of it, and then you see Car Painter, and he has the statue, the Manny Manny statue. Oh, yeah. Which is what is causing everyone to be like, like – cultists and mainly it's it's guy getting them to capture paula i mean mm. eventually because she's a threat so it's controlling these people and like creating this cult and everything kind of bringing out the evil and everyone um so I, I think you defeat i think you defeat Painter. yeah mm-hmm. yep um and then he shows you the statue and stuff and then you eventually get save paula um and then after that yes so
0: after you uh save paula then you've got basically another person to join you on the journey she joins you right away and Do you uh, get the
1: second melody or i don't remember what that is i think that's right after it's
0: through a cave to the east that's the of, little footsteps yeah that's the one yeah it's okay. to the east of tucson and you go through there and you fight the mondo mole that's right bum, 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 the mondo mole so yeah you you fight the next really big boss which is just another animal <laughs> just a, another big animal Yep. um but yeah, now you get to go to Threed, right? So we had O'Net, we had Tucson, and now we have Threed. And you take the bus after you free a group called the Runaway Five. They're a smash hit jazz group that are forced into basically forced labor at the Chaos Theater in Tucson because they lost a bunch of money gambling, I think. And so you free them by getting a wad of bills from Everdread, who we That's mentioned earlier. Right yeah, so you get the water bills, which you have nothing to use with as a key. It doesn't
1: yeah, it doesn't give you the currency or the currency. It doesn't give you dollars in the game. It just gives you as a, as a key item. So you're like, oh, okay, I must use this elsewhere. And then you remember, oh, yeah, when I went to go see the runaway five, they were stuck here because they couldn't pay it.
0: They owed a bunch of money. So you use that to free them and they take you on their tour bus to get to three and they drop you off. When you reach three, however, it's overrun. By zombies and ghosts and ghouls. Yes, it's very dark. It's like Halloween Town, yes. So your next mission, obviously, is then to save Threed from the new threat. When you're kind of looking through, there's a couple of big graveyards. And when you go through one of them, you find uh, a couple of zombies that are, like, blocking a path. And then you hear word in the town that there's a strange woman that's been around the hotel. So once you reach the hotel, you follow her into the hotel... You see her kind of like slipping through and there's this really cool spooky theme version of the hotel theme playing which we'll play for you in just a moment and you are ambushed by ghosts and ghouls and then the screen goes dark as you're kind of encroached on by them and you wake up in a... Pit of some kind, like a dungeon looking thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, basically. Who knows where you are, but you are stuck. You can't get out. And so Paula reaches out with her telepathic powers and contacts another boy who she knows is part of the journey. His name is Jeff. And we will reach Jeff's story in just a bit. In the meantime, let's listen to that music off of the Earthbound soundtrack. And now I'm going to invite you to call in and win, 949 824 949-UCI-KUCI, the number to call. Call in now, and I will send to you a Final Starman patch off of Etsy. All I'll do is take down some of your private info so that we can mail it to you straight to your doorstep. Again, nine four nine eight two four five eight two four is the number to call. Please do so at this point. And also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio if you didn't already know. Our Instagram is at DJ double underscore Marmar. And with that, let's get into that music. Again, thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. Joined by Alex, we are lag radio covering EarthBound. And call in now to win your EarthBound Starman patch. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Mid-Boss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio discussing Earthbound. We just got done listening to Snowman. Before that one was Heartless Hotel. Before that one was Runaway Five on the Move, and at the top of the set was Dead End Chaos Theater. All these songs and the other ones you've heard this evening are by the composers Akio Omori, Ritsuo Kamimura, Keiichi Suzuki, and Hirokazu Tanaka. Yes, four different total composers. Very, very awesome compilation between them all. So we are going through the story. We're continuing on through That threed. nicely,
1: nice aptly uh, placed song that you just ended off with.
0: Yes, Snowman.
1: Right when we... There's the scene that you get that scrolls up to the... Um, where What is it called? It's like the boarding house kind of place? Yeah,
0: it's like a boarding house. I thought it was an orphanage at first, but yeah, I guess it's like a boarding house. Um, yeah, so the cut was last where Paula telepathically messaged out Jeff and said, hey, we need your help to get out of here. You're part of our group, and yeah. So you start now, you wake as Jeff. You wake in a random boarding house in the middle of nowhere, but there's snow everywhere. And when you awaken, you are also joined by Tony, your roommate, and you're able to kind of somehow convince him to join you on your quest to just leave the uh orphanage the boarding house so he helps you hop the gate by being like your stepstool and just says all right get on out of here and do what you need to do for your destiny jeff so you then as jeff go out and find a random drugstore right off the side of the boarding house
1: worse than it actually is but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it does find like a convenience store i guess (laughs) a (laughs) convenience store don't find a drug dealer or anything no no yeah
0: convenience store and in there you find that there's a pack of gum that you purchase and the pack of gum uh, is very useful because there's a there's a monkey in the store that loves gum and will follow you if you get the gum (laughs) this is earthbound folks this is earthbound for you so the monkey follows you around uh, once you give it a piece of gum and you travel together through this nearby forest to a campsite this campsite is right on the outskirts of a lake and that lake is known as Lake Tess which is inhabited by the legendary beast Tessie not Nessie. Yes. <laughs> Nessie, of course. And there's all these, like, soldier guys with these binoculars, and I love it. Even if you go inside of their tents, they're still, like, they've yeah, got their so binoculars, the binoculars out. Binoculars, what are you looking at? Do you really need to you zoom always in on them? You got to keep their... watch. Yes, always got to be careful. Be, be vigilant. So <laughs> you are uh, then going to have to get to... The other side of this lake, and the only way you can do so is by riding Tessie. Tessie nope. appears
1: and kind of takes you, so you just ride on Tessie. You gotta give the gum to the monkey, and then he boor- he boards Tessie and <laughs> convinces. Him. Yeah, it's this is how it works. <laughs> That's Earthbound. Then you go across the uh, you go across the lake, end up in a, a cave from cave? Uh, it's been designed by the Dungeon Man Brick Road.
0: Oh yes, the dungeon man, that's right. Brick Road. And he that's makes a name. very
1: easy dungeon, which is just a maze.
0: It's yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of difficulty to it. So you just go through this uh this cave made by by Mr. Brick Road and uh, end up in a Stonehenge area. It yeah. is the Stonehenge. It is the Stonehenge, in fact. It's not just an area of Stonehenge, it is the Stonehenge. It's a bunch of cave boys around you, like just guys who literally look like, called it, cave boys. Yeah, that's their name cavemen, but they're not cavemen, they're boys, And they will ruin you if you try and fight them. They have them, a so... very
1: high miss rate, but they will ruin you at this point in the game. <laughs> and you're just Jeff. It's interesting this that Etoy just kind of puts you in this spot like like or this early on because, no spoiler, well spoilers, but you eventually come back to this area, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more, like you're a little bit better leveled, but it's mm-hmm. weird. It's like, oh no, you just gotta get through them. Nope,
0: <laughs> just, gotta... just avoid them somehow. Dodge them. So you dodge them, and you come across a lab that is run by Dr. Andonuts and he turns out to be your Actually, long-lost it's father. Actually, Andonuts.
1: Andonuts. Cuz it's Andonuts.
0: Oh no. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Andonuts
1: that. and he's and his little clay figure that they have has him holding a donut, so. Oh, i
0: love <laughs> This is brilliant. I learn more and more about this game. Thank you. So uh, apparently he's your long-lost dad. And J- uh, Jeff's, not Ness. Jeff's, yeah. yeah, not Ness. Uh, Jeff's long lost dad. And so he says he understands that you've got this this mission that you've got to go on. You've got to go to Threed. So he says, hop in my spaceship I've been building. And
1: Skyrunner, I think it's called.
0: Skyrunner's correct, yes. And you just fly off to Threed where Ness and Paula are. You crash land in the graveyard after Which this is important, really cool cutscene.
1: Because you do crash land, you can't use it anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it'll eventually, it says like, oh, you can eventually be smart enough to fix this or something.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. It says mm-hmm. like if you talk to
1: the, the ship, it's like it can be repaired, but not at this time.
0: Hmm, interesting. All right. You'll get to that spot. You're very close to that spot. Cool. More coming. So you crash land in this graveyard. Uh, It makes this big hole in the ground, and boom, there we go. There's Ness, there's Paula, and you get to find your way out of this previously uh, locked room together. You're able to get through there. So you escape, and you fight the zombie infestation with another invention from the Apple Kid.
1: And that's another thing. I don't think we mentioned the first part. You had to have invested in Apple Kid to even progress past the uh the pencil statue right because you had to get that invention but yeah there's Apple Kid and orange kid you can invest in either of their inventions and uh this is going back again to tucson but uh apple kids kind of like his place is all messy and stuff and then orange kids all like nice and and he feels like he, he seems like the more appropriate person to invest in but it turns out that apple kid's the one that's Helping you a whole lot more.
0: Yes, yeah. He's the genius inventor who's, I guess, just the eccentric one, perhaps, of yes, the two. And yep. Orange Kid is the uh, the normal-looking one, and normal so he, acting he one. He
1: discovers he uh, invented and mentioned uh, zombie paper.
0: Zombie paper, yes. This like is fly paper. Like fly paper. You just lay it on the ground and zombies get attracted to it and they get stuck. <laughs> and so earthbound. this is how you take care of the zombie infestation in thread um so there you go zombies done you and, move
1: on Okay. Oh, yeah ahead. and due to that the there's two zombies that are blocking a path that you're supposed to go so you go down that path it's kind of a pain this is where you can get possessed and little mm. ghost is around uh whoever it possesses oh right and can do damage to another character or freeze them or not freeze them but like petrify them which is really annoying
0: yes yeah um
1: but once you get through that then you end up oh man there's so much to go through yeah i know right <laughs> gotta speed through this um, Jeez. you end up uh, coming out and finding is it Saturn Valley or you go through like a little like canyon area, end up eventually getting to Saturn Valley.
0: Yes, yeah. Saturn Valley is where you see the lovable Mr. Saturn. If you characters. played Smash
1: Brothers, you would be familiar with Mr. Saturn. If yeah. you know anything if you know nothing about Earthbound, then Mr. Saturn you would know. If hopefully. you follow me on Instagram you'll yeah. see the
0: little drawing that I made of Mr. Saturn yes. as well. Um yeah, they're cute little armless round brown dudes with like a ribbon it's in their one single hair. This. Yeah, it's
1: it's tough. Big nose, little ribbon hair. And <laughs> they have a little bow tie, I think.
0: Yeah, and they've got this really odd speech pattern—the their... the way that they talk and their font that they talk in for the text is crazy and all over the in place. In the Japanese
1: version, it was actually handwritten by Itoi. Neat. He actually invented that the that font, and I don't know how they like really. They did a good job in in localizing that and making it just look very strange and giving. It's one of the things that gives the the character character without, like, with just dialogue, with just words. Hmm. So it's pretty interesting.
0: That's a good point. So, yeah, so you get to Saturn Valley, you find Mr. Saturns, and apparently they're being enslaved by this evil boss nearby named Master Belch, who is, isn't he just, like, a giant barf?
1: He's just a giant pile of barf. (laughs) 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 Yes. This is all they this is this is how they marketed Earthbound in America was be, was with Belch pretty yep. much.
0: Be be gross. And um yeah, he's got a factory, he's enslaved the master, Mr. Saturn. So you go and you fight Master In Belch. order to
1: get in there too, you have to know the password, which is to stand still for three minutes. Yeah. Literally three real life minutes yes. without touching the controller.
0: Go behind the waterfall, random thing in there that you yeah. can't even see, you talk to, and the guy's like, What's the password? and you just stand there and let your controller just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get in. But oh, you go so through good.
1: you go through this factory, find out that the Saturns are being a slave to make this um, I don't know these like a factory make these canned goods and stuff. yep, um and then you defeat Belch himself. you're yep. able to go back, find this uh, this different area of uh, Mr. Saturn village, I think Saturn Saturn Valley. Saturn Valley. Go get the uh, the next melody, I believe, after beating, do you remember who? Oh, trillion a
0: trillion, trillion uh, Yeah, yeah, the sprout. I don't know. I don't know, man. Oh, but um, before then, you but get the before then, break. the coffee break, which is one of the best scenes in the game, probably at least from what I've experienced so far, one of my
1: favorites, where it's just this, this. It's very good. There's not. How would you describe games. it? It's just a recollection of everything that's happened so far, but from a, uh, like a third person perspective. Right. So it's like the game saying, saying you've seen Ness, and it's like a narrator, I guess. Yeah,
0: you've come far, Ness. And that's what we're going to listen to next. Very briefly, we're going to listen to a couple of last tracks before we go off the air for the evening. So with the coffee break, we will continue talking shortly. 949-824-5824, 949-UCI, KUCI. Once more is the number to call if you want to win our giveaway for the evening and the week. Uh, Final Starman patch, Ultra Starman, Final Starman. Final Starman. Final Starman Starman patch, silvery, cool spikes. spikes. Yes, super cool looking. You can put that on anything you want. Call in now, 949-UCI-KUCI. Thank you for listening to Lag Radio. Again, my name is Marmar the Mid-Boss. Here is Alex, too, and we are Lag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Mid-Boss here with Alex, and we are Lag Radio winding down the evening. Just got done listening to Super Dry Dance, and before that one was You've Come Far, Ness. Both of those were, of course, off the EarthBound soundtrack, all of which have been done by Akio Omori, Ritsuo Kamimura, Keiichi Suzuki, and Hirokazu Tanaka. We are done for the evening. We've gotten through the whole story uh, thus far until the coffee break. The up, very to, well-
1: up to 3 I think? Yeah, yeah we've we gotten didn't through even three. finish 3 but man, yeah, there's a whole lot more to go. We'll see if we can do that next week.
0: We're going to do our best. So join us next week for Earthbound Part 2. Again, we still have that giveaway. 949 was the number to call if you want to call in in the next, like, minute maybe. But otherwise... Check us out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash lag life radio is where you want to go to, to hit the like button. You can also check us out on Instagram at DJ double underscore Marmar is where you want to go to and follow us there. And that is going to just about do it for the show. Please don't the go first. anywhere though. Oh yeah. Another announcement. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I almost That's forgot. Yeah.
1: So we are uh, because we want to play a lot of the original music because it's so eccentric and just all over the place and there's so much of it, um, we'll continue playing the original music from the game. uh, But then the usual kind of remixes and stuff that he plays, that uh, Marmar plays on his show, I'm going to be doing an hour, I think probably the second hour of my show, which is going to be 11 p.m., so a little later. But uh, this Tuesday, I'm gonna be playing some of the the selections he's picked out. Maybe I'll find some too that I like and just combine them. So we'll do the kind of remixes portion of the music on my show this Tuesday, uh, the first, I believe, August 1st? No, no, first. No, no, no. it's the third right now. <laughs> yeah, whenever the, 7th, the seventh, I think. Yeah, the seventh. I was thinking a week ahead, but yeah, the seventh. Um, it's Tuesday, uh, 10 p.m. to 11, or sorry, 10 to 12. It'll be at 11 o'clock.
0: Yep. So join us at that time. We get to listen to some really sweet remixes together. Yeah. So palette Swapped is where you want to turn your dials to. And then next
1: week will be the continuation of this episode.
0: So again, thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Don't go anywhere, though. Riders of the Plastic Groove is on next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great night.